and welcome to episode two of the MTG Complex Cast. Today we are going to be talking about some uh, excellent spoilers as well as a legacy turnout and a PPTQ turnout, um, as well as keeping an eye on what's going on in standard right now, even though it's going to be a whole different format pretty soon. Um, today I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Zach. How's it going, guys? Not Hello. Um, let's just jump into our weekly roundup. Sounds good. Um, I played in three events this weekend. I played a modern FNM with a Sultai Delirium deck that I put some videos up for on the website. I played in a Saturday half K with uh, Blue Red Delver. And I played in a Sunday modern PPTQ with our Tribal Flare deck. How about you, Zach? Well, I actually um, I made it to a Friday Night Magic on a Friday, which is amazing. It happens occasionally for me, and I played Blue-Red Gift Storm, ended up going 3-1. I was able to hang out with John a little bit and watch him pilot his Sultai Delirium deck, uh, and if you want to see that video, it is available at our website, mtgconflux.com. So yeah, it was a pretty good outing altogether. How about you, Steven? What'd you play? So I ended up playing in two different events on Friday, and then ended up playing on Monday. And this week has just kind of been a little miserable for me. My first event on Friday, I played the Tribal Flayer deck and just drew the wrong half and didn't see anything great or amazing about the deck. And then in my second event on Friday, I played Blue-White Control. And seeing as it was my first time picking up the deck and playing with it, uh, I did. I made a lot of misplays. I got really greedy, and I got punished for it. And then on Monday, I played Storm, where I got to play um, last week's card of the week for me, which was Rise from the Tides. And I also did very poorly in that tournament mostly due to the room being prepared for storm but i also punted quite a few games you know i almost punted a game with storm as well i uh, resolved the gifts ungiven and the pile i handed him was um gifts manamorphos ritual and ritual and he gave me both rituals and then i realized that i didn't have a past in flames derp Yep, and then uh, he was he was Blood Moon at that point, and so like seven turns later, I drew a Gifts Ungiven. Perfect. It was really bad. <laughs> Excellent. I was attacking for one for seven turns. Never punished. No. <laughs> turns out Blood Moon is a good card. Yeah, I cast a turn two, and that was that. It just took a long time, because I'm bad. Uh, well, that's enough about our weeks. Let's move over to the... Uh... Oh, wait. Did anybody see any cool decks? Yeah, I saw I saw some cool decks. Um, I saw a green-white Eldrazi list at my modern event. Um, Ivan Jen is the player who plays at our store pretty frequently. He's uh, had some past notoriety for uh coming up with cool brews he was the one that came up with the just guy ascendancy deck that terrorized standard for a little while um he plays a green white eldrazi eldritch evolution deck and he uh he got me real good with uh 
Eldritch Evolution, my his uh, Noble Hierarch got a Eternal Witness. This and then this is all in the same turn, and then he Eternal Witness Eternal Witness to back the rest in peace that I had abrupt decayed, played it, and I had two Goyfs in play that were now zero ones. So that was a uh, pretty backbreaking. Uh, and then he played uh, Sigurda, and that wasn't really the best. Wow. And then I saw, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a beating. Uh, I lost pretty quickly after that. It's on video, so you guys can go watch that one. Um, and then at my legacy event, um, I saw a uh, guy playing a Grixis Punishing Thieves list. Um, Punishing he Thieves? Actually, yeah, he actually streams on Twitch. His name is uh, Strifo. Um, he, it's kind of his own brew. It's kind of like um, like a check pile, but even greedier. Um, he goes a little bit more mid-rangey. Um, it was interesting. He's playing a lot of one-ofs. Uh, one Fatal Push, one Lightning Bolt, one Ponder, one Him to Turok, one Colgon's Command, one Toxic Deluge, one Notion Thief, one Leovold. Um, he's like all over the place. Kind of uses the brainstorms to stitch the whole room together. Um, so he made it to the finals um, where we ended up uh, splitting. We were both pretty pretty tired at that point so we decided just to split the prize and move on of our days um but i got to watch him play throughout the top eight and his deck was uh pretty cool uh how about you guys did you guys see anything interesting i saw that lightning strike is being reprinted yeah me too and the and the the sweet dinosaur that says nope to control decks yeah yeah is that carnage tyrant yeah Yeah. so uh seeing as we've seamlessly uh, transitioned into our topic of the week. Uh, moving on to excellent spoilers. Let's keep going. Uh, Jace, the Jace Cunning Castaway, right? Three mana Jace that does um, does cool stuff. It does cool stuff. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily amazing. I would say. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a pretty decent card. It's uh, it pluses while letting you gain some card selection. And um, his minus is definitely not bad. Uh, Point suckers that protect themselves are always pretty decent. Um, this one does have a little bit of a cost, putting himself down to one loyalty to do so. But for a three mana planeswalker, um, you can't ask too much in standard these days. Um, Liliana the Last Hope is kind of the exception to that rule, and um, I think he's pretty solid. Um, his ultimate is excellent and gets out of hand pretty quickly. So. Um, what kind of deck would want this though? Because he's only good if you have creatures in play. I mean, most standard decks these days are just crashing creatures into each other. So yeah, I suppose like a, a tribal like Merfolk deck might use this. Yeah, his yeah. ultimate's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that the, seems like a lot of value. Does the uh, does the ult make tokens that have the same loyalty or the starting loyalty? It should be the starting loyalty. We also got to oh you know what on the topic of Jace I think the the Planeswalker deck Jace is actually pretty good and I can actually see it being at least a one of in any control deck that uh, relies heavily on blue um, unlike you know uh, black blue decks that rely more on black than blue um, I think this this uh, Jace has a place in there it's plus one is draw a card um which i feel is 
just what every control player wants to be doing. Yeah, I think the card's pretty solid. Um, whether or not a control deck can really emerge in the format, I'm not so sure of. Carnage Tyrant is a serious beating to control, unfortunately. There's always been a risk with these. It's, like, it's basically an intro pack uh, with the Planeswalker in it that at some point they will make an error and print one that is too good. Uh, and then, you know, that could cause the price to go kind of crazy. I don't think this one is it, but it definitely seems to be the most playable of the ones that they've printed so far. I look at this, and and I have to ask the question of, are you going to want to play Hour of Devastation in your deck? Uh, if you are, then this card's probably not very good. Um, and then, you know, for what, one more mana, you can cast Nicole Wallace. So... Obviously, it's a harder cast because it's three colors instead of one. But yeah, I think they're, they're fighting too. for a similar slot. Yeah. Yeah, it depends how good the mana is in the format as well as um, how what colors you want to be in for the control deck. Like, if, if it does end up being Grixis for the control deck, which is likely the Nickel Bolas is an easy, an easy ask. But if the mana is not good and you end up wanting to be like a blue-white base control deck or something similar, then Nickel Bolas is a lot harder to get into your deck, whereas Jace is very easy. Um, looking at the mana for the format, it seems like control decks will most likely be, if they're going to be three-colored, they'll be a shard. And then the aggro decks probably would benefit from being a wedge. My reason for thinking that is because the aggro decks can make use of the fast lands better than a control deck could. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and then those are enemy colored. And then the, on the allied color side, we're going to have the check lands uh, as well as the cycling lands, which go very well with the check lands. Um, and so those are best for a, a shard, especially... Um, I always thought Esper benefits a lot from the check lands or just from allied lands because typically an Esper deck is heavy blue, and that's that overlap color. So then you're having to splash red for Nickel Bolas, which gets a little awkward. If if you want to go four color, yeah. But yeah, Grixis would just be, you know, the the overlap color would be black. So that could be fine as well. Dep- it just kind of depends on uh, the removal and everything you need. Also of note is uh, Unclaimed Territory, the new uh, pseudo Cavern of Souls. doesn't have the, um, the can't be countered clause, but it does give you um, mana of any color for a creature. Um, with the set centering around a creature types matter theme, pirates, merfolk, dinosaurs, I think that it's very likely this card will see a significant amount of play in the format. And I definitely think it has interesting implications for modern in decks like uh, four or five colored humans and merfolk. Yeah, I think humans in modern is a is a big gainer from this. And just having that, you know, extra fixing. Um, but I also think this is probably going to be a casual all-star. Um, this is the type of card. It's an uncommon, right? Yeah, especially an uncommon. Yeah, it's probably a great, you know, if you can get these as throw-ins and trade, I I think I would want to. Um, also, let's see here. We have Settle the Wreckage, a uh, new um, board wipe. Watsi's been experimenting with a lot of different alternatives to the traditional. That's the, like, Path Wrath. Yeah, kind of. So they've been experimenting with a lot of different uh, alternatives to the traditional four mana sorcery, unconditional wrath. Uh, in this case, we're getting uh, a four mana instant wrath for two white white. It does the path of exile effect, where it exiles all 
attacking creatures the target player controls and that player may search their library for that many basic land cards and put them on the battlefield tapped then shuffle their library so i think that card's super interesting for a control deck i, I know this I, I might be thinking pretty off the fringes uh off in the fringes right now but i'm thinking this card might find a one of sideboard slot in death and taxes and legacy um i feel like the deck has a really hard time against um the merfolk that can't be targeted by you oh uh, true name nemesis true name nemesis yeah it also has issues against elves which is an almost unwinnable matchup yeah and so i mean if you're just if you're just trading lands to stay alive for one turn to hopefully win the game i feel like um this card specifically does a really good job at that in in legacy death and taxes yeah four mana is a pretty steep price for legacy death and taxes but that deck has been known to play cards like cataclysm so it's not an impossible ask i personally in my list i run two gideons in the sideboard um which probably needs to be updated at this point it was mostly for the miracles uh the miracles matchup um but it has come it, it has been useful in the mirror matchup and against other aggressive aggro decks where i'm just pumping out two twos each turn and then at some point i'm just going to emblem and attack with everything yeah it's quite good against decks like check pile as well that are trying to control your creature count um, they don't always have the best way to uh, pressure a planeswalker baleful strix doesn't exactly pressure planeswalkers that well so plopping down a gideon once they put their defenses down can be quite an effective way to win just by being a 2-2 machine aside aside from um legacy implications though i think this card is going to definitely have a home in standard and modern um just working backwards since we started with legacy i think modern is very interested in a card like this um being able to play a true tap out control deck um is going to be a big advantage i'm not sure if blue white control necessarily wants this or not the type of blue white control decks we've been seeing recently at least since they have gone more in a tap out route with spreading seas and getting into the trials which have proved to be quite effective at um countering the format as it is right now um people are pretty greedy on their mana and getting into the trials is pretty effective against a lot of decks but being able to play a true tap out deck is definitely great that's always been kind of a soft spot of control decks it I don't think there's really been a Wrath as effective as this at instant speed before, aside from something like Terminus out of the Miracles deck in Legacy. So um, in Modern, especially, people aren't playing that many basic lands. So this is great. It also means playing a card like Path to Exile in the same deck is less of a downside because at a certain point when you play enough Ghost Quarters, Path to Exiles, and Settle the Wreckage, the downside stops being a downside because they quickly run out of basics. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is kind of an interesting uh, line of thought there where you could just start ghost quartering them more efficiently because they don't get that basic land, same, you know, and all your all your instants do that same. Um, what I look at this and see is it's kind of a more efficient consuming the meek. It kills a wider, wider range of things and it exiles them. Like, this seems pretty great against Dredge. Um, and then you have... You know, there is obviously that drawback, but like you said, that is somewhat uh, mitigated by, you know, how many basic lands are they actually playing. You know, if you wipe their boards, if you get, you know, three or four creatures, ideally, right, and they get two basic lands, maybe three basic lands, 
That it doesn't seem like that bad of a deal, especially because you're already at four mana. So what are you excelling them into at that point? Yes, they can still use that mana, but it's not like, you know, a turn four settle the wreckage is going to be the drawback of giving them lands is l- much less than that turn one path where they get to use it so much more. Yeah. It's definitely the death kneel of a card like Mana Leak, though. Mana Leak is already yes. a little bit shaky in a deck with Path to Exile. Yeah. Playing Settle the Wreckage and Mana Leak together is just awful. So I'm not sure what direction you want to move in for your counter magic. We're talking about this being played in a tap out control deck. What are you using as your counter spells at that point? I'm not exactly sure. Um, maybe stuff like Negate uh, sees a little bit more play. We've already been seeing that as kind of. Uh, you know, one of main deck and some control decks in the past, but I still kind of worried about creatures. Maybe the idea is that since you don't care about creatures as much due to playing Settle the Wreckage, you don't have to counter them as aggressively, and you can play more non-conditional counter spells to counter the stuff that really does matter, the permanents and card advantage spells. Yeah, I'm looking at another key part to, to this card is it says target player. Uh, yeah, so it's, too. you know, it's one-sided. So in a deck like Abzan, you know, maybe, a, for example, a, a, a Mir or against a Death Shadow deck, something like that, you know, the board will get kind of full of Goyfs and Death Shadows and, you know, Lingering Souls tokens, what have you. And the ability to just Wrath their side can be really, really big. Or even if you just have a Goyf, you know, that's probably more likely when it's going to happen when you have one creature in their head on board. They're going to attack and then you just blow them out. Yeah, at least to some interesting board states, because currently when you get into a board stall, your opponent's not really uh, inclined to attack into you anyways, because they're not going to get favorable blocks. Yeah. But it's going to put interesting situations into play where you can alpha into your opponent in a situation where you're dead on the crackback, mm-hmm. and they have to really think long and hard about whether you have settled the wreckage or not at that point. Um. So there might be some wiggle room there to create some blowouts. Also, it hits man lands, and that's huge. Yeah, it's been a weak spot of a lot of control decks in the past yeah. as well. So my recommendation is trade for foils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about standard? I think any kind of four mana wrath in standard is going to be excellent. The downside is much more pronounced in standard, however. So... Way more basics. Yeah. it On one hand, it's a tool that standard has really been, um, or a, a tool that control decks in the standard haven't really been equipped with in the past. So I'm curious to see what options Honestly, we I have. Honestly, I think in a blue-white shell, a blue-white control deck in standard, uh, this is a perfect card. While they're like, even though they ramp, it's still... It, you're doing it on their turn, which means all those lands come into play tapped, which means they don't get a chance to utilize it right away, which means you get to untap and prepare for their their mana-heavy board. And then if they just commit, you know, if they have three cards left in hand and then they, they get four lands and then they just commit three more cards to the board, um, or at least try to, you can be prepared for that with another Settle the Wreckage or with a handful of counter spells that... Uh, that's ready to to mitigate the the amount of ramp you just gave them. 
Yeah. You know, this actually makes me a little bit more bullish on control. I was pretty pretty bearish on it previously, looking at a card like Carnage Tyrant in the format. But this is a, a pretty nice answer to a Carnage Tyrant, actually, now that I look at it. Yeah. Um, so my question looking at this card for standard is, how do we compare this to Fumigate and Hour of Devastation? Because um, there's those seem to have upsides, uh, depending on the deck you're playing. You know, for one more mana and obviously sorcery speed. Yeah, those are pretty significant drawbacks, though. Yeah, yeah, but there's no, you know, there's no drawback in the text other than yeah, other that's than true. That. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops, and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see a mix. Yeah, I guess it, uh, at least a fumigate and you yeah. know the white ones they go they it, go well together. Or just it, I think eight. it definitely comes down to format speed, right? In a faster format, um, you yeah. probably want settle, and in a slower format, fumigate might be perfectly acceptable. Also, I guess if there are a lot of creatures that are generating value while not attacking yeah it's fair then you might want to just have something that answers those yeah maybe we're gonna have some uh some dirtle dinosaurs that sit back and generate value if i getting into the red zone i like that dirtle dinosaurs <laughs> that's gonna be a hashtag hashtag dirtle dinosaur we're gonna get it trending so all you guys start tweeting <laughs> um so aside from the uh the individual spoilers we're looking at. Um, we also do have the check lens, which we mentioned a couple times, and I think on the last cast as well. But um, there's a lot of mechanics in this set. Like it looks yeah. pretty dense to me. I mean, they've they've got a couple uh, a, a pretty uh, normal sized amount of new mechanics, but the number of returning, not necessarily evergreen mechanics, is quite high. Um, they're bringing back a lot of mechanics that saw use and standard quite recently as well we're seeing were you guys surprised to see vehicles yeah i was i was honestly surprised i was actually gonna say right at the bat is crew is uh is a surprising one to see so soon after kaladesh yeah i like that there's like boats and ships i think that's pretty cool yeah we have equipment in the same much different flavor so yeah seeing uh, a crew and equipment together is very interesting Um, as well as transform yeah it's kind of a complex set. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're getting a Time Spiral 2.0. Uh, I can only hope so. Uh, this is the most interesting <laughs> sets to play, and I think they make really interesting standards, too. Yeah. Treasure is a really interesting new mechanic. It's uh, tacked on to various cards, uh, usually as a downside. Uh, gives treasure to your opponent, although in some cases it gives treasure to you. And uh, treasure is basically uh, a, a number of lotus petals um, that uh, the player receiving the treasure gets. Which, for those who don't know, Lotus Petal just says sacrifice, put one color mana into your mana pool of any color. Uh, raid is also coming back. What's Raid? Kills bugs dead. <laughs> uh, so Raid's coming back. It's uh, it's if something had attacked this turn. So it, it checks on entering the battlefield whether anything had attacked this turn. Um so that's an interesting one to see back so soon after uh, cons block and then we have some tribal matters dinosaurs pirates merfolk and i believe there were vampires oh yeah there's vampires too yes there's a lot of tribal matters going on uh it's interesting to see that so soon after their uh tribes matter edh decks that just came out the pre-cons uh i think it was on purpose vampires were just in that one as well which is super interesting yeah and they're the ones that are kind of subtly in this set, so I think, I think they're just kind of they know they're pushing tribal this year, and I, but without being too in your face about it. 
we're also we're also getting uh, the explore mechanic, which I feel like is really really good. Uh, it's look at the top card of your library. If it's a land, it goes to your hand. If it's a non-land, uh, you may put it on top or in the graveyard, and then get a plus one plus one counter on uh, whatever creature has the text. So it's like a super scry. And then what was the the last mechanic? Uh, enrage. And how does enrage work? Uh, so enrage is triggered whenever a creature with enrage is damaged. Uh, it's in Naya colors, it looks like, and um, it basically rewards you um, or punishes your opponent for when um, a creature with enrage is damaged. So yeah, we've got a lot coming up, a lot to look forward to in this next set. I know I'm excited. I very rarely get excited for new sets, but this just speaks to me. So um, it's dinosaurs. I, dinosaurs. All right, dinosaurs, so, man. Dinosaurs. <laughs> That's all you got to say is dinosaurs. Every little kid's dream. Right? <laughs> uh, so, John, you played uh, a couple of tournaments this weekend, or I guess a few tournaments this weekend. Yeah, speaking of dinosaurs, I played an ancient format. I played in a legacy half K. Um, it was actually. Oh, I thought you were going to say tiny little. <laughs> That's not a dinosaur. That's a dodo. Um, so yeah, I went to a Legacy Half K. It ended up being a uh, five-round event. I played Blue Red Delver. My hand was a little bit forced. It was no proxy event. I don't own Underground Seas. I had uh, the entire 75 for Rug Delver, and now that Rug Delver isn't exactly a tier one deck anymore, I've been playing Grixis Delver and borrowing Underground Seas for uh, Comporeal events. Uh, the person I normally borrow Seas from didn't come to this event, so I decided to play Blue Red Delver, which I have a decent amount of experience with. It was one of the uh, top decks I was practicing with going into GP Vegas. Uh, I ended up bailing on the deck and playing Grixis Delver instead because I thought the deck had a little bit more power. Uh, but Blue Red Delver is uh, quite well positioned in Legacy right now to punish a lot of the really greedy mana bases that people are playing. Uh, four color mid-range decks like Check Pile and decks like Lands uh, are extremely popular right now, and Price of Progress is an extremely punishing card against these decks, and um, that was definitely how my day played out. Uh, Price of Progress was an excellent card. Um, so um, I played against uh, Sneak and Show round one. Uh, I ended up going 2-1 in the matchup. Um, he tried to play a large number of defense grids to kind of lock me out from interacting on his turn when he wanted to combo off um blue red delver plays at least my version plays three copies of smash to smithereens on the sideboard um a large function of this is uh the matchup against the mono red locked decks that are playing stuff like chalice of the void and bridge uh and staring bridge so uh you really need a large number of smash to smithereens to win in that matchup uh destroying the hate pieces while still pushing damage through um and so those came in against his defense grids and really um punished his defensive game plan um, he took uh, game one against me when I ended up having a very early aggressive start with two Swiss Spears, and he ended up showing telling a Gristle Brand into play, and I had two Chain Lightnings in hand, so I was kind of forced into a situation where I had to chump attack into his Gristle Brand and attempt to double Chain Lightning it post-combat. Uh, he ended up having to draw up to 14 uh, cards off the top of his deck before he found an answer, but he eventually found an answer for the second lightning. And at that point, I'd basically gotten three for one, and he got to swing in the next turn and 
regained seven life of his crystal brand and the game kind of got out of reach at that point uh, but games two and three like i said um his defense grid plan was very soft to my price of progresses and i won that one two one uh, I played against Checkpile in round two, which is uh, a pretty favorable matchup, I feel like. Their mana base is very greedy. They have no basics. They're extremely weak to Price of Progress. Um, I got him with my Miser's copy of Thunderous Wrath in the first game, which he was definitely not expecting to see, and put him on uh, put him on tilt. It was uh, pretty noticeable. He was not expecting that card and um, went into sideboarding pretty poorly prepared. Um, game two, I actually got stuck on two lands and um, was floating um, three <laughs> price of progresses on the top of my deck of brainstorms that I was unable to shuffle uh, away. And so I ended up finally getting a shuffle effect and shuffled away one of the three and kept two more. And I actually ended up losing a race to a training nemesis. So it turns out I needed all three copies of Price of Progress. Um, so that was a little bit frustrating. But I think in a situation where you're really trying to find lands, keeping three prices is a little greedy. Um, and in game three, um, I just put a lot of creatures on the board. He tried to play a Belfal Strix to kind of fog me. Uh, it got bolted and he lost the game quickly after that. Uh, round three, I played against Blackguard Reanimator, um, which is a little bit dicey of a matchup. The Blackguard Reanimator deck in Legacy is quite explosive and has um, a little bit of a lock piece in Chancellor of the Annex that it can reveal at the beginning of the game. Counters the first spell that you play in the game unless you pay one mana. It's kind of a forced spike for the first thing you play, and that really gets a lot of decks on the first turn and lets them kind of set up for a second or third turn win. Um... The first game we played, uh, he mulled twice and never found a creature to reanimate or a discard outlet, and he just died to beats. Game two, he mulled to six, and I played a turn one cage. He actually played a, uh, a green-black land on the second turn, and I was worried about Abrupt Decay, but he never actually found an Abrupt Decay, and he ended up um, with everything he needed to go off at the end of the game except for a threat and removal for the cage. He died to my third combat steps. That was uh, my turn four. Four, I guess I don't think I was attacking my notes say third combat step I guess that must have been my turn three uh, and then round four I played against uh, Grixis Delver uh, at this point we could have both double drawed into the top eight but he declined to draw he wanted to play for top seed so um, he mulled six game one and um, he basically uh, tried to stick an angler which got uh, thunderous raft and then I just kind of cleaned up the board and killed him with my creatures pretty quickly. Uh, unfortunately, in game two, I got taken off of red mana in my two-color deck with a wasteland. And I was um, unable to kind of seal the deal and get the last few points of damage in. Game three, we both mulled a six. Um, I kept a one-lander and decided to lead on a swift spear instead of a delver or a ponder. And he blind wastelanded me on his turn one. I didn't manage to find a second land. He followed up with a bolt from my Swiss Spear into a death right, and I struggled for a while to find a land and never really managed to get off the ground after that. My round five opponent and I ID'd since we were locked for the top eight at that point, and we played um, some fun games while we were waiting, and we ended up actually getting paired in the top eight, which um, people declined to chop. Um, the guy that I'd lost to in round four wanted to play, so we all had to kind of play for top eight. Um, my opponent was on uh, Junder Loam, as he liked to call it. It was, just, uh, it was actually a four-color Loam deck playing white as well. 
kind of focusing on Ramanap Excavator. I think that's called Darknea. Darknea, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was playing Ramanap Excavator, Ghost Quarter, Wasteland, um, Knight of the Royal Quarry, just really, really aggressive on the mana base and playing some utility lands like Maze of Ith um, and Cobble Pit, I believe, is the one that uh, taps with Threshold to give a creature minus two, minus two, and sacks the land. So he kept bringing that back and kind of shooting down my small guys. Uh, we'd already played uh, a match for fun before this, so we both kind of had a feel for the matchup. It um, kind of hinged on, again, my access to red mana. This was a reoccurring theme for the tournament. Um, I only own three Volcanic Islands instead of the full four, and I actually neglected to play Scalding Tarn on my deck this weekend. I'm used to any time I play a Legacy Delver deck, I just shove in four, uh, uh, four Flooded Strands and four Polluted Deltas and call it a day. Um, but in this case, I forgot that I actually do play Basics in this deck, and I needed a way to fetch Basic Mountain. So uh, I didn't actually have Scalding Turns to fetch that mountain, which was uh, a huge mistake. And um, it made my games against uh, my top eight opponent quite tight. Um, Price of Progress is an absolutely insane card in the matchup, though. So um, that pulled me through, and I ended up taking the series 2-1. For the top four again, we tried to split, but my opponent was on Storm and thought that he had a good matchup against me, so he declined to chop the top four. Um, we both mulled to six on game one, and I played turn one Delver Flip, turn two Delver Flip, and dazed all of his early cantrips and just killed him very quickly before he could do anything. Um, That's flip-tastic. Yeah. Game two, I didn't actually find any of my sideboard cards, but... Um, I had a quick clock, and um, I had um, a decent amount of disruption when he failed to find any discard spells. He attempted to go off, knowing about a daze in my hand due to a Gataxian pro probe from the turn before. So he was prepared to play around daze, um, but I had actually brainstormed into a force of will the turn before, and so I let him dump his hand out, and when he tried to cast a Infernal Tutor will help it, um, I force evolved it, and the game ended very soon thereafter. Um, yep, that'll do it. Yeah. And then uh, my finals opponent and I were both quite tired at that point, so we ID'd and took our winnings and went home. <laughs> Sweet. Sounds yeah. like a good that sounds like a good uh, good tournament. Yeah, it was quite good. Uh, I really enjoyed playing the deck. Uh, it's re- Can't believe you didn't win the whole thing. Ha! You know, um, my, uh, my opponent uh, for the finals was the guy I was talking about earlier, uh, Strifro, playing the uh, Punishing Thieves deck. And we talked a little bit before we left, and we agreed that it's a it's a pretty close matchup. Um, I'm probably favored game one, but uh, games two and three get a little bit more dicey. He gets some really good sideboard cards. Um, but uh, Price of Progress is quite good in the matchup, obviously, when he's playing you know a, a four-color greed pile. So um, I think we were both happy not to roll the dice on that one and just uh, take our winnings and go home. So John's tournament wasn't the only tournament this week. We actually had two Grand Prix, one in Washington, D.C., and one in Turin, which is a uh, somewhere in Europe. And those were both standard. Uh, so what, what did you guys take away from these tournaments? Uh, I took away that Mardu Vehicles is still a deck and that... Uh, team or energy isn't all that it's cracked up to be apparently or at least what i expected it to be i think it's because a lot of people didn't play the scarab god 
Just saying. That could be. Yeah. <laughs> Dark teamers uh, uh, allegedly the way to be. So I see uh, just, you know, from a uh, airplane view, I see uh, quite a bit of Marduk vehicles, a lot of teamer energy, and then uh, some some red. Those seem to be the three biggest decks right now. There is a lot of Ramen Up Red at Washington. One thing I've actually noticed from um, from the the decks that we're seeing here, as well as um, just the visual spoiler for Ixalan, is that um, a braid looks really good still. A lot of these um, new vehicles that look somewhat decent, and um, there's a decent number of what look like almost kind of like build around uh, artifacts coming out in the new set. Um, this primal amulet card seems interesting. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see people playing something like Thematic Compass. Um, that seems decent in control decks. And um, just uh, sideboard cards. What do those two cards do? Uh, yeah, Primal Amulet's a four mana artifact. It has, says instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you put a charge counter on it. If there are four or more, you remove the counters from it. You may remove the counters from it and transform it. And it transforms into a land called Primal, Primal Wellspring. It taps to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And when that mana is spent to cast an instant or sorcery, you copy that spell and you may choose new targets. So it's kind of a cross between Pyromancer's Ascension and Pyromancer's Goggles. Um, so I think this card could definitely end up being a build around card in the new format. So having a braid as a built in answer for that is definitely a good place to be. This new treasure map card is also kind of interesting. It's a two mana artifact and it has one and tap scry one, put a landmark counter on it. If there are three or more landmark counters on it, it transforms and gives you three of those colorless treasure artifact tokens we were talking about earlier the backside is a land that can tap and sack to draw a card so um that seems like a decent um kind of background work workhorse card for a lot of decks denying your opponent their payoff um kind of incidentally for a card you're already playing seems good and the last card that kind of caught my eye is this thematic compass it's a two-mana artifact and it has three and tap search your library for a basic card reveal it put it in your hand and then shuffle your library and it uh it has at the beginning of your instep if you control seven or more lands it transforms so um and the land on the back side has tapped at a colorless to your mana pool and it also has a second ability uh to tap and untap target attacking creature and opponent controls and remove it from combat. So it actually turns into a Maze of If effect, which seems quite good in a control deck. Um, it ensures that you have the ability to hit your land drops in the early game, and it protects you in the later to mid, mid to later parts of the game. Um, so the fact that there's just pretty decent artifacts like this floating around the format, I wouldn't be surprised if some number of them see play in tier one competitive decks. So I think that really uh, keeps the stock of uh, a braid quite high and that's not even taking into account the existing vehicles deck stuff like the monument deck and stuff like the god pharaoh's gift deck so i think a braid has a lot of application moving into our new standard format regardless of how it shakes out speaking of a braid i actually just realized the other day that this card has a non-foil full art promo those are my favorite promos 
Uh, <laughs> and the reason for that is because I don't like plain foils, um, but I do like art. Uh, so I picked one of those up. It's great in modern. It's great in legacy sideboards. It also obviously looks like it's going to be good in the upcoming standard. So that might be a good pickup if you can get one in trade. Um, and and I think everyone seems to think standard is pretty great right now. You know, it was bumpy for a while, but it's it's in a good spot. Um, however, let's move on from standard before it rotates into the Jurassic era. So that brings us to the slot of the week. Steven, what are you going to sleeve up this weekend? Uh, so this weekend, I'm going to be working on a build with Smuggler's Copter. I haven't quite decided whether I want to build around Affinity to throw a Smuggler's Copter in there, or if I want to build some sort of, I'm thinking like Grixis list to put Smuggler's Copter in. But either way, I'm definitely going to be trying to play Smuggler's Copter this weekend because I feel like I'm going to have fun doing that. Seems good with Lingering Souls. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's a wombo combo right there. You know, I really like Smuggler's Copter. That's a, obviously a very good card. Uh, so good they had to ban it in Standard. I think it's searching for a home in Modern, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does find something. Um, and, you know, it remains to be seen what it is, but I think it has a lot of applications. Yeah, that's how I feel about the card. That's how I felt about the card when it came out. Um, and then they banned it, and then I was pretty sure that it was going to find a home in, in Modern. But so far, we haven't really seen... We've seen it, like, as a one-of in a few decks, but not really seen as, like, a the powerhouse that it can be. It's a pretty decent card in a Fairies deck, but that's not the most popular deck, so you don't see it too often. Yeah. The issue, I think, is that in Standard, it was harder to kill an artifact than it is in Modern, where it dies to a Coligan's Command and a Breath Decay, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Lightning Bolt. Um, and you also need a you know a second creature in play to turn it on, mm-hmm. so that can because the removal is better in modern that can be an issue. But I think if you're doing something with tokens, uh, like discarding lingering souls to that seems pretty great. Plus lingering souls turns it on. Bitter blossom seems awesome with that. You know I think there's a lot of a lot of places where that could be very good. So what about you, John? What are you going to be sleeping up this week? Um, I'm not going to be sleeping it up myself, but I'm definitely hyped for this card. Um, a lot of storm players, blue red storm players in modern lately have been playing a one of apostles blessing in their main deck. Uh, I think that card is an excellent choice to protect your, uh, your cost reduction creatures, your, um, Baral chief of compliance and your, um, is it a goblin electromancer? Um, with uh, one of those in play, Apostle's Blessing basically costs two life to cast, and it's kind of like your very own mental misstep, except for it counters any removal spell targeting that creature. So that's a great way to bridge from uh, a turn two um, cost reduction creature into a turn three potential win. Um, I think the normal play pattern for that deck, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but you're generally waiting until turn three to drop apostles wrestling or uh to drop one of your creatures generally it really depends on the matchup um for example the first game i played i was on the play i cast the turn two baral and i won turn three uh other games you know there's a game where i waited until turn four to cast it against jund and then you know end, ending up ended up comboing off that same turn after remanding my grape shot and recasting it uh for exact exact storm so you just 
you know, it really depends. If you uh, frequently, I think, oh, they don't, they don't have it this turn. You know, I don't think I have to worry about them killing my guy, or I have an extra one. Um, so you run it out there. Sometimes it's, you know, if you untap, you're gonna win. Um, and sometimes you have to think, okay, they're probably gonna kill it. How can I preserve it? Yeah, and that you know, it kind of fixes that problem. It keeps it, keeps it alive. Uh, so definitely a uh, an excellent card to be running in Storm. Uh, how about you, Zach? Any uh, any spicy ones that you want to have in your deck this week? Yeah, so it depends on what you're playing, uh, but I think in Modern, I really like Liliana's Defeat this week. Um, and the reason for that is because it's a great one-mana answer to Liliana, which I think has seen a little bit of, a, of an uptick, both versions. Um, but then it also can come in against anything running Death Shadow or Gurmag Angler. You know, there's a lot of popular black creatures that get played, uh, and it's just very efficient to answer them for one mana as, when you can also have the flexibility of answering a Planeswalker. Yeah, that card's quite good. Uh, Gabe Nassif is actually running two of it in the sideboard of his blue-black control deck that I want to be taking to this week's FNM for my video series. So we'll have to see if I get to uh, side in against anyone on camera. Well, thanks for taking my advice. <laughs> and I think now it's time for Steven to take us back to Dominaria. What you got for us? Thank you for checking us out uh, and for sticking around to the very end. Uh, if you're wondering where you can check more of our content out, you can find us at mtgconflicts.com. We're still slowly populating the website with some content. We have some videos up for you guys to check out, our last podcast to check out. Hopefully sometime this week or the next, we'll have some articles for you guys to check out. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook to find out when those articles get posted. Our names on both are MTG Conflux, one word. And if you guys have any suggestions or comments that you guys would like us to read, feel free to send us a message on one of those platforms or email us at themtgconflux at gmail.com. Uh, we really do appreciate the support you guys are giving us, and we hope you'll join us in the next one. Bye.